Welcome back, everyone. It is 11.11 in Palo Alto. Sun's shining. I went for a run this morning, and I'm sending good vibes your way. We have a fun episode, just like the ones before on Monday and Tuesday. It's going to be a bit on the shorter side, but I hope it gives you something really, really powerful that you can apply, think about, and expand your mental models with today. So let's jump into some good news first. Coronavirus pandemic has been, it's been scary, right? Whether it's thinking about the aftermath, you know, the current effects, worrying about older people or more vulnerable people in your life, the effects and the affects, I should say, are real. And it's been a huge challenge for many people. However, the news and the accurate stories about this, it's going to take some time for a full picture, for that full spectrum of what actually happened to come out. There's news percolating that I don't think it's quite fitting to share yet. And honestly, some of this stuff is dangerous that mainstream media outlets are publishing. When you talk about this nation state did that, start to make accusations. I just recoil at that stuff, right? I just really, really would advise anyone out there to not get involved with that type of information yet. It's a wormhole that leads nowhere, or it leads to a galaxy that you don't want to go in. The news is going to come out, right? The accurate story will come out over time, and there is good news all around us. So not many people know this, but there were nine states in the Midwest that actually didn't have to do a complete shutdown. They did social distancing and enacted some closings in strategic areas, but they did not have to do a complete shutdown. That is good for those economies because we all know that when the unemployment rate ticks up, so do suicides, so does domestic abuse and many other maladies, right? This is a serious, serious trade-off that we have to be aware of. If you've seen the movie, The Big Short, Brad Pitt's character describes this eloquently to the two up and coming young hedgies or, you know, hedge fund bros who are trying to make it. He explains to them that, you know, economic recessions are no laughing matter. And there's a lot of talk about recession. However, there isn't much talk of a golden age. And you've heard me say that before. I'm going to keep saying that because that is what I believe we are on the cusp of ushering in. I believe that this change and many other changes that we're going to see over the coming years are going to radically shift our cultural awareness and generally everyone's consciousness about what really matters in life. And it's going to be empowering and it's also going to free up a lot of the capital that has been on the sidelines for, for years. So there's no shortage in the world. There might be the perception of shortage in your own life. There might be feeling of lack, but it's not the case if you look outside and if you heal your trauma, if you heal some of the really negative behaviors or the baggage you're carrying and open yourself up to the idea that there's, what is it, like an $80 trillion economy that's that's circulating, that's that's out there that you're allowed to access. And it can feel maddening when you're stuck, right? I've been there. It can feel maddening when you're deep in debt like it's uh it's never going to happen it's too slow 
It can be extremely tough if you're working a salary job or getting started somewhere. I've been in all those places, right? I've sold the vacuum cleaners door to door. I've worked construction. I've gotten fired from menial jobs before. It sucks. It's really rough. But I've also landed great jobs and I've also started businesses and I've done, you know, in some ways I've made it, in other ways I haven't. And one thing that I've learned is your psychology is paramount. Your psychology is so important. And whether you're in the camp of the secret or if you're in the camp of, you know, Carl Jung and you're an amateur psychologist or a professional psychologist yourself, you know that your mindset matters. Your mindset matters more than anything as we start to exit the dark night of the soul and into the reality that on the Eastern coast, we have several states that are forming a pact to reopen. That's including New York. They're starting to make those strategic plans. And on the West coast, there's several states, including California, that are making a pact to reopen at the same time, Washington, Oregon, and California. This is big news. We're going back to a new world, a new life that people are, I think, itching and you know, raring to go. They're raring to get back in it. And now we're all going to be back in it with a bit better hygiene, right? Some new skills and a shared experience. This is what's so important. You know, as, as a veteran and as veterans, we have a shared experience that's wonderful in, in many ways in terms of uniting us. And this type of shared adversity that the entire American public and an entire world, right? The entire team human has been through is critical for evolving the culture or helping the, the culture go epi, as I like to say, and turn on some of the epigenetics or activate some genes that we might've had dormant for so long. And we see the, uh, the action of empathy coming online. Maybe you're out there seeing people smiling during the social distancing. Things are coming back online and I feel like people's souls are coming back online. And that is so, so important. So today I want to talk about escaping repetition compulsion. So what is it? Repetition compulsion is a psychological phenomena in which a person repeats an event or its circumstances over and over again. This includes reenacting the event or putting oneself in situations where the event is likely to happen again. This reliving can also take the form of dreams in which memories and feelings of what has happened are repeated. So repetition compulsion is not a good thing, but a lot like post-traumatic stress, it is a natural reaction to stress and it's a natural reaction to dealing and coping with very, very challenging things. So Sigmund Freud was the first one to use the concept and introduce the concept of repetition compulsion. So he proposes this in an essay and he hypothesized that repetition compulsion came from an infant trying to cope with the fact that its mother was, uh, you know, going to leave it for even small amounts of time. This can be very traumatic for an infant and for a young child whose mother has to go to work or travel. This breaking of the bond can be very, very traumatic. So he noticed that this infant in its chair, when separated from its mother, would begin to drop or throw something again and again and again. And this is supposedly where the origins of the idea come from. And he first explored this in a 1920 essay called Beyond the Pleasure Principle. 
And he described four aspects of repetitive behavior, all of which seemed odd to him from the point of view of the mind's quest for pleasure and the avoidance of unpleasure. So if you're familiar with Freud, that's the lens in which he viewed the world. His model was people are about getting pleasure and avoiding unpleasure, which is grossly simplistic, but whatever. So the first way he proposed here is that dreams occurring in traumatic neurosis have the characteristic of repeatedly bringing the patient back to the situation of the accident rather than showing the patient pictures from his healthy past. So maybe you notice that you have a tendency to kind of psychologically, maybe it's mild, maybe it's it's extreme, torture yourself. So if you continually replay events from the past that are the most negative things instead of the most positive things or events where you failed or misspoke or whatever the case is, instead of events where you succeeded or where you did something completely out of the ordinary or you did something that your ancestors or your family or your parents just you know couldn't imagine before when you stepped outside of that family perception of what was possible and did something great you know that's what you want to be focusing on however yeah speaking from personal experience this is almost impossible the steady state of our minds is one of replaying traumatic memories and you know granted i have struggled with PTSD. And as the veil starts to lift, thanks to the help of professionals and real medicine that has a proven track record for curing PTSD, one thing has become clear. Repetition compulsion is, it's a real, real threat. If you arm yourself with that knowledge and begin to look out in the world, you'll see it everywhere. You will see people who are older in life and who are just repeating the same behaviors and the same trauma-inducing behaviors again and again and again. It wasn't until I noticed this in someone that I loved and that I cared about that I was able to then notice it in my own life. So oftentimes we're too quick to beat ourselves up about judging others when judging others is powerful if you remember that you're often just projecting onto them what you're worried about, what you're thinking, or what you're failing at. And it's kind of a mixture of you recognize it in them because it's prevalent in you. In my case, I recognized repetition compulsion and this scary tendency for someone I love to put herself in harm's way again and again and again. And in a very similar situation to the original trauma that started the drama of post-traumatic stress in her life. And it was brutal to admit, but when you see it and you admit it, you have an opportunity there to start to get power over your own life. Can't really change other people, right? That's a fruitless, fruitless effort, soul-sucking <laughs> effort. But what you can do is start to notice this in your own life and escape the cycle yourself. So think about your own life when you engage in repetitive behavior or risky situations or loops of behavior that lead you back to the same self-defeating mindset, outcome, or emotional state. You have to get out of those, whether it's through extreme exercise, shaking yourself out, 
running, getting mobile, noticing it and writing down, this is not me. I want to get rid of this behavior. However, you have to get out of this, talk to a therapist, talk to friends, talk to loved ones who might be able to notice and help point out when you're repeating the behavior or repeating situations that re-traumatize you or trigger you. Get out of this however you can. So we talked about four ways here that repetition compulsion kind of emerges that Freud introduced. And the second is that example that I brought up earlier about children's play, where a child would throw its favorite toy from its crib again and again and again, each time being upset at the loss temporarily and then you know grateful that the toy comes back when somebody, of course, picks up the toy and brings it back to the child, which this that's not really a good thing to do um, because you're basically complicit in repetition compulsion training, which uh, many of us are pros at because we're just stumbling around unconscious. And I speak from experience. So that's the second one. And then the third one here is Freud noted that the patient who is exploring uh, a repressed past in therapy is obliged to repeat the repressed materials as a contemporary experience instead of remembering it as something belonging to the past. The compulsion to repeat the events of his childhood in the transference evidently disregards the pleasure principle in every way. So that example is just saying that you have to go to the source and the source might take you a while to admit it's something that is exhausting because you think you're getting close and then, you know, you have to go a bit deeper. You have to go further back. Uh, you have to meditate. You have to get in the hands of trained professionals with medicine to help you access these states and these earliest memories. Because, you know, from my experience, if you would have told me a couple of years ago that there were memories and traumas that I was repressing, I wouldn't have believed you. I have what I would consider to be a powerful memory. And I would not have believed that, but it's just not the case. We all have things that are repressed in our psyche, in our mind, and this type of trap of thinking that I'm above it, which I fell into, I just wasn't at all. If you've experienced this once, it will be a really, really powerful motivator to help you go deeper. So I would encourage everyone to, uh, whether it's meditating or the professionals, try to go to the source of this so you're not just looking at symptoms or you're not just looking at your contemporary immediate surroundings and saying, oh, I'm, you know, I'm noticing it here. That's great. That's a first step. That's powerful. However, you want to go deeper and start to get at the source of what happened in childhood that is causing you to just cause more and more pain on yourself. So the fourth thing here that Freud points out, it's called destiny neurosis, and it's manifested in the life histories of men and women as an essential character trait, which remains always the same and which is compelled to find expression in a repetition of the same experience. This is, I would say, the best trap of the ego or the superego, where it's so tempting for us to, in our quest to be heard, to be loved, and to be seen, to think that we are unique or special in a certain way. And particularly, we can gravitate towards one character trait that we have been most noticed for in the past, or one that has brought us 
accolades, pain, uh, rejection, or maybe reward, right? Oftentimes, I think this trait is one that has been so critical to our life that it's been both detrimental and very positive. And it can feel like examining this closer or analyzing it would cause this superpower or this you know comfort tool where you stay in this this familiar cycle of repetition compulsion to break down and it's a scary thing to encounter the unknown and it's scary to explore who you are without some of the behaviors or character traits that have brought you to where you're at but i would encourage everyone to examine some of those character traits and just think about them they might be essential and they might be something that is just a defensive mechanism that is just re-traumatizing you in cycles of repetition compulsion. So now you're hopefully more aware about repetition compulsion, what it is, some of Freud's ideas about it, and don't take any of this as gospel, but do take it as a new tool in your toolkit, in your mental model of the world to better identify in others where they're doing this. And that's the easiest way I've found to then hold up a mirror, shine it back to yourself and try to notice these things in your own life. If you can get even a little vantage point, even a little clarity on this and start to distance yourself from these behaviors and become more conscious in choosing new cycles and just noticing when you're going through a repetitive destructive cycle or a repetition compulsion, if you can notice that you're going to empower yourself today. As we step out into this brave new world, this new culture that is emerging in the aftermath of the pandemic, we all need to be more conscious and get to work on mediating voluntary human evolution. Thank you so much for listening. Today's daily mission is to identify and notice in someone else where repetition compulsion exists, watch for it, or just think back in your mind about someone you know who has repeatedly traumatized themselves or just engaged in the same type of behavior again and again. And when you notice it, hold up that mirror and notice it in yourself. Thanks so much for listening and we will see you tomorrow. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.